Numbers. We live by numbers. We track and count and measure everything. And sometimes we think the only numbers that really matter are the big ones. But it's the single digits that make the difference. The Bible says that heaven rejoices with the number one. Yeah, heaven rejoices each time even one person comes to know Jesus. We pastors dream about big numbers, and we should. But a daily focus on one meaningful interaction for Christ, that's the true difference maker. One friend, one family member, one coworker, one person at a time. We wanna see God move in our nation like we have never seen before, but it all starts with one. I've got my one, and now I'm challenging you and your church to join us and to find yours. Because ultimately, the only number that really matters is one. Who's your one? God always has something for us, amen? And in order to receive it, you have to go to the one who's gonna be able to do it. And if you do, if you do, God will meet you right where you are. How many believe that? Just raise your hand a little bit, he'll meet me. Let's go before Father. Father, we are so grateful because you are who you say you are and you do what you say you'll do. And so Father, we ask today, Lord, as we just come here today, Lord, to worship you, make it all about you for the audience of one. And Father, may you just grab hold of our hearts. And Lord, as we live in purpose and we live, Lord, unto you, God, will you just do a work in us and through us we praise you now, Lord, will you receive this worship as we praise your holy name. We ask this in the majestic, righteous name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said, Amen. I might say it like you really mean it. Amen. Let's praise Good morning. Good morning. Well, I'm excited that you are here this morning. We are going to be dealing with part four, and I thought to myself, before I got into part four, I wanted to really get into your heart where we've been over the days, over the weeks. Today, I want you to um, understand that we're on a journey. Someone say journey. journey. And we've been talking about who is your one. And today, I want to say God sees you where you are. That's where we're going. But before we get there, let's take on where we've been. We opened up challenging us about the rapture. I want you to ask yourself, the rapture, let me look at the portion of scripture a little bit. It was, are you rapture ready? If the rapture took place right now, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 51, it says how fast it's going to happen. It says, I tell you a mystery, we will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet of will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. And I had Fisherman Joe here, and what happened to him? He disappeared in a flash. He just popped, and he was gone. The rapture. We need to realize that it could happen any moment. And the question is, is your family going? Is the people you care about going? You need to ask those questions. Those are important questions to ask yourself. And then... This, this was pre-series message. And then I wanted to lay another brick was to be mission-minded, realizing that the rapture could take place anytime, and are we living our life with a mission-minded? Meaning, am I on God's mission? Not my mission, not someone else's mission, but are you on God's mission? Look at your neighbor and say, God has a mission for you. You know, we always say, like, what about them, and what are they doing, and what are they doing? And I'm going to reverse it and say, no, no, what are you doing? to be part of God's mission. That's really important. 
Because you are God's disciple, you are God's child, and he's commanded all of us to do so. Colossians 4, 4 and 6, just a portion of what we shared. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Paul is in prison. This is a prison epistle. And that I may proclaim it as I should. Be wise in the ways you act towards outside is making the most of every opportunity. Now I like this part. Listen. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You need to say something. God's given you a tongue. God's given you a life. Sometimes you live your life and people will see your life. And other times you use words. But we have to be mission-minded. Don't live life so busy, so much like I got to do this and I got to be, I got to, got to, got to, and miss Christ in the center. Someone say amen. amen. All right. And then we went on and we started the series, Who's Your One? And that sermon was Be the Difference. Be the Difference. This is important for you and I to be the difference. Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee and saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting into the nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, come follow me. Clear. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. And at once. Someone say at once. When Jesus speaks to you, he wants you to do something about it. Don't sit on it. Well, God, I don't know. You'll see the blessings of God in obedience. Come and follow me. And Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going from on there, he saw two other brothers, James, and John, uh, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father. Now, we talked about that a little bit because they left. Peter and Andrew left their occupation. And then James and John left the most, in that culture, the most intimate relationship with their father. To what? To follow the Lord. I shared with you that I understand how that is because when God saved me, I was not one for, um, for the ministry, you would say. I was far from that. And yet, and yet... After going to school for a few years, which I was not prepared for that because I cheated all through my high school years. And then when God finally saved me and threw me into college, I was not fit for college whatsoever. My wife would have said, don't, don't, look, she's chuckling still. My first paper I wrote, and some of you know this, I wrote that paper and I put my heart into it. It was eight pages. For me to write a page was a miracle. To write eight pages was like really a miracle. And then she looked at it all and said, honey... I don't know what you're saying. I can't understand one thing you're saying here. How frustrating that was. Because literally, I never learned grammatical structure. I never paid attention. I was too much getting in trouble. But my trade was another story. I was excellent at my trade, but my academics was not interested in. But God worked on me and worked on me and worked on me. Now he brought me, finally finished my doctorate. And so God has done a work in a boy that just didn't want to be educated fought all the way. I want you to understand something. God wants us to be obedient, and he's calling us to respond, and he wants to use you, and it doesn't make a difference where you are. People tell me all the time, well, you know, Pastor, I just, I can't do that. Don't say can't. What do I do with can't? Someone tell me. You throw it out the window. What do you bring in? What do you bring in? Yeah, because with God, all things are possible. You have to know who your God is. Don't say you can't. Well, that's not who I am. Yeah, no, it could be it's not who you want to be. 
So it's a choice. It's a choice. Nevertheless, be the difference. And then the second part of who's your one was destination eternity. I want you to understand in Luke chapter 16 is a, a, a very story that Jesus for the first time uses a name that gives an indication most believe is a true story. Two, two hearts and two lives. A person who is full of sores on his body and he's a beggar and he's outside the king's home. But the king pays no attention to him and then they die. But when the angels come and get the beggar, they take him to Abraham's bosoms. But when the rich man dies, he directs right to hell, and it goes on to the whole story. Read the story. It's powerful. It's really talking about our next destination from here is eternity. Where are you going to spend it? But most, most importantly, you know, if you're saved, where are your family going to spend it? When I first got saved, my family was not saved. One of my brothers was saved, but because we didn't really talk a lot, I, I didn't know too much until a little bit later. But the rest of my family was far from the Lord. But every one of them came to an experience with God. Every single one of them. And even my dad, who was really difficult. My dad was really difficult, and I never thought my dad would get saved. He was a very religious man, but not a relationship uh, to the father man. But one day, just before he died, three months before he died, he made a confession of faith, and, and it was just beautiful on the phone. See, God can reach in, and my dad and my mom was not saved, and God said, I want you to leave your family and go. Sell everything you had, and that, at that time, I had some stuff. I liked the boats, I liked the cars, I liked the motorcycles, and had all of that. And, you know, and God had me sell. And I had a, a, a vehicle that took seven years to build because I used to be in the world of wheels. Love building cars. My wife tried to keep me away from car shows because she should. <laughs> the reality is, the reality is that is this. This is very important is that I left it all. And so I understand this portion of Scripture. And so God says to you and I, he just wants your obedience. Somebody say he wants your obedience. And destination eternity is going to come, so let's live a life right. Our third part of who's your one with, who will you carry? If you haven't seen any of these messages, please see them. One of my favorites, one of my favorites was who, who you carrying. That's a powerful portion of Scripture. In Mark chapter 2, so many gathered there but there's no room, not even on the outside of the door. And he preached the word to them. Jesus came, and yet everybody gathered. And then some of the men bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they had a, made an opening in the roof. Digging through the roof, and they brought the paralyzed man to the person. And all of a sudden, Jesus gives that man an encounter, and Jesus proves his authority. Let me tell you something. Who are you carrying? You need to carry someone. It's important. Someone say amen. amen. So let's take off on our part four. And let's ask you a question. Have you ever been lost? How many have been lost? How many was lost when you were a child? You know, have you ever done something stupid? I'm going to share this with you. When you purposely hide from your mother in a clothing store just to scare her. So that's what I did one day. I was with my mom, and we were in a clothing store and stuff. And I was probably only six years old, seven years old, but I will never forget it because I did not know what go to entail what I was kind of being ornery. I decided to hide in the clothing 
when my mother was shopping, if any of you know my mother, my mother could shop, right? Yeah, she could shop till she dropped. And let me tell you something, a few times I almost did. And, um, and so I hid in the, in the clothing, and I just stood there. And she just took off looking for me. I never knew. And when I came out, she was nowhere to be found. Being a brave, masculine, seven years old, what do you think I did? Yeah, I sure did, man. I was a mess. I was a total mess, man. And I'm looking. And then, of course, I didn't really trust you know, other people that I didn't know, so I wasn't going to go anybody, but they saw me crying, and everybody, can I help you, little boy? Uh-uh, no, no, and I kept looking, and I kept looking, and it lasted for so long, and finally, someone in the store came up to me and said, are you lost? And I went, <laughs> so they brought me to the front of the store, and they put over the intercom, we have a lost little boy, <laughs> whose name is Brian, is there anybody like to claim him? <laughs> And my mother came with a thing. She was not happy. She was not happy. A little red. And uh, where did you go? I didn't want to tell her that I was playing a joke. That wouldn't have gone over very well. I said, I must have ended up in the clothes. <laughs> and you took off. I blamed her. <laughs> but I understand, when you're lost, let me tell you something. There's many people who are lost, and you may not see their tears, but they're crying. They're hurting. I want you to know that the one that loves you so much came for you, came for your loved ones, and you need to do your part. You need to do the coworkers, the people that run, that come into you. They need to see something about you different, but the only way that's going to do is you have to spend time with the master. They're not going to see the difference character in you unless you start to put your hands on the plow and you start to be in his word and you start to watch this now. It's not enough to know it. you got to do it. Hello. See, we can know a lot of stuff. Love thy enemies. How are you doing of that? Hmm? See, we like the good stuff, but there's also some tough stuff there as well. Let's look at this portion here. And no matter where you are today, whether you're in struggle, where you're hurting, whether you experience great joy, whether you're in doubt, whether you're in confusion, wherever you are, I want you to know God sees where you are. God sees where you are. Let's look at John chapter 1. We're going to go to verse 43 to 51. Let's just take a few verses and we'll travel along. Verse 43 and 44. The next day, having decided to leave Bethany and go into Galilee, Jesus found Philip and invited him to follow him. Now, Philip came from Bethsaida, the same town of Andrew and Peter. Let's look at this for a second. God knew exactly where Philip was. God knows exactly where you are. God knows right now that you're here. God knew the very day you were born. God knows everything about you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. Some of you, like me, he doesn't have to count so far anymore. But he knows, he knows everything about you. But when we go through trials and when we go through hardships and when we go through hurtful times and when we go through confusion, we don't think God's there. We don't think God's there because it doesn't happen the way we want it to happen. And when God doesn't work the way we want him to work, we start to guess like, God, God do you really, really know where I am? Do you really love me? And that's the first question that people ask themselves. Do you really love me, Lord? Because if you did, why in the world am I going through the stuff? 
And yet, if we only understood, because I've had my stuff, and I've had a lot of stuff, and I've had some moments where I would be at a table, maybe in tears, saying, God, what are you doing with my life? You've uprooted me. You've taken, away from, you've taken me away from every secure blanket that I've had. I am totally 100% leaning on you, and I have a huge, not a huge family, but a big family. Some people think it's huge. I think it's really small. How many kids you got now? Yeah? Five. Okay, I only go. Five is good. I wanted seven, but we ended up with four. But I would go with more kids now. But they, but they grow so fast, so fast. We're enjoying grandkids. I tell you all the time, right, the, the benefit, grandkids are a gift. They are such a gift. And it's a benefit to grandparents because, and we have them because we didn't kill our kids when we really wanted to. You know? Ain't that good, Aaron? Huh? Amen. So God is with you no matter what you're going through. God is there. God is there. I want you to get this. God knows exactly where Philip is. And God himself goes to Philip and he says, follow me. Direct from God. But it doesn't always work that way. Some people have an experience with God. They could be by themselves. My experience with God was by myself. I recognized where I was. I was in trouble. I was far from God. Um, God was convicting me. I had a friend of mine sharing me every single day as we shift uh, uh, I was a I was a steam engineer, so as we turned over our shifts, he would stay there for hours sharing with me, and I was not an easy turn, not at all. Matter of fact, he told me I was the worst person he ever communicated the gospel with. I said, thank you very much. But when I started reading the scriptures, I had a transformation moment, a transformation moment reading the scriptures of God, and God just came in and changed me on the spot. And then I accepted the Lord, and and before you know it, one night in my boiler room, I, I had a moment with God, and my pastor called me just as this moment was happening, and just before that, I made a list out of, like, if I said, God, I give you my life, and I wrote out a list of all the things that if I stayed in this trade, what it would give me, and it gave me, me was the whole paper. But then I said, Lord, I want to serve you. And I put on the list everything that would happen about if I served you and being there for people and seeing people in struggle and seeing your transformation take place and seeing your healing take place and seeing your power fall. God, and then I picked up the two pieces of papers and I just said, God, I want yours. I want this one. I want to work for you. The next day, the next day, the next day, the phone call comes while I'm working I went, from third, I went from second shift to first shift in the morning, and my pastor calls and says, hey, how are you doing in your studies? And I'm like, it's not enough for me. I want more. He says, I think, I think you're right. And he just said, I'm calling up the, the Bible school. You need to go. School was a curse word for me. Every teacher, I was, at a, I was taking another trade class, and I saw one of my teachers from my vocational school, and he said to me, why are you here? I said, I'm taking a class. He says, you're taking a class? Uh-huh. You mean you're out of school and you came back to school to take a class? Uh-huh. He threw his hands up. He says, I don't understand this. And he just walked off. So because he, me and him didn't get along very well. I wasn't the favorite student. I did not have any brown on my nose. 
I was, yeah. But that was who I was. It wasn't I was a bad kid. I just, was a, I just didn't care. I just didn't care. But when you care about something, you do something. That's why you need to realize God wanted to do something. He knew where Philip was. He knows where you are. But you need to understand God is working with you, but are you working with him? Amen. It's important. It goes on both sides of the fence. So I want you to get this. He invited him to follow, and I want you to get this. When God says, follow me, it doesn't mean just go behind me, you know? It's like with, uh, with the grandkids or my kids, you know, it's right when they're young because you fold your leg, they'll fold your leg, you go like this, you know, and they copy you, so you make it into a big game. That's not what Jesus meant by follow. If you look at the word follow, follow means I want you to learn how to do exactly what I'm doing. If I'm going to teach you something, I'm going to teach you how to do something, I want you to do this according to how it needs to be done. Jesus said, I want you to follow me. I want you to be so close to me that I want you to do what I did. And as we talked about in the Jewish culture, that when a Jewish rabbi would teach his disciple, his Tamid, when he would teach him, he was going to teach him to be just like him in every way. And the greatest compliment would be you have the dust of your master on you, meaning that you were so close to your mentor that his dust from his feet is all over you, meaning that you hung around him so much, you act like him now. Sometimes you can see that with a father and son and, and just some things that they, they're very similar. They say, I'll never tell your jokes. Dad, I'll never tell your jokes. But then when they get older, you know what they do? They tell your jokes. And then they start telling dad jokes. And they say, no, let it not be so. But it's true. Psalms 33, 13, listen to what it says. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. God sees you right now. Yeah, but he, he doesn't know what I'm going through. Lie. He doesn't know how I feel. Lie. He doesn't know my anguish. Lie. No, he knows everything. The problem is not what God knows. It's, the problem is what you know. Because God is sovereign. God is overall. Oh, don't get me excited. See, God knew exactly where Peter and Andrew were. God knew exactly where James and John were. God knew where Philip was. God knows where you are. You just have to be able to say, okay, God, help me. I need to really start to focus on you. Jesus gives about eight different invitations in Scripture. They were very different. I'm just going to mention a, a few of them but not get into them. Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest in Matthew 11. Jesus said, Jesus, said, uh, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come and, to me and drink in John 7. Jesus said unto them, come and dine. And Jesus said this right after the resurrection. He fed them. Now he was, he was like, come, it's time to fellowship together. Let's eat. One of the sweetest things to do is eat with people. John, he says again, come and see where the portion that we're on right now in a little bit. In Mark chapter 10, come and take up your cross. Come away to a secluded place and pray in Mark 6. There's times that you need to get away with God. It's so important that we get alone with God. When's the last time you said, God, I'm getting alone with you. I'm going into a prayer closet. I'm going to spend some time. I thank God for my daily prayer closet. The Bible does this again into where Jesus gives us an invitation in Matthew chapter 25. Come, you blessed of my father, and, in, and inherit the kingdom of God. But he says this, though, quite a few times. Follow me. Follow me. Look what it says in verse 45. 
Can you help me? In verse 45, he says, Then Philip found Nathanael. 45. There you go. Then Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law wrote, as well as the prophets Jesus, the son of Joseph, a man of Nazareth. I love this part. This part is great. He's all excited. He's telling Philip. Philip is so excited that he's telling someone, You know, when you got saved, did you want to tell anybody? Hmm? When I got saved, I told everybody. I hung around with a posse of friends. I had literally 50-plus friends. We were a mob wherever we, wherever we would hang, schoolyard, corner, whatever. We had so many. And when Corkum got saved, <laughs> I lost them pretty quick. You coming to the party? No, I'm having my own. Oh, that's cool. What you doing? Well, I'm going to have um, orange juice, and I'm going to have grapefruit juice, and I'm going to have Sprite. And we're going to have mixed drinks, I told them. <laughs> Not one. I lost them all. Lost them all but one. No one said, man. And when I would come, when I would come into this group, they would all go, here comes Kukum. Put it away. Because I would tell them about Jesus. I was unhindered because they needed the Lord because I was so excited what God had done in my heart and life. Never be silent for who you are. Never let the gospel get tucked in this fray that what people are going to say, be who you are. That's all you have to be. But love Jesus with a heart, mind, and soul. Just the other day, I was out to eat and um, met this man and uh, going out, talking to this guy I was with, and this man came up. I started talking to him, and right there in the parking lot, the man comes to know Jesus in the parking lot. How did that happen? It happened because I was willing to stop my day and talk to somebody, care about somebody, care about a stranger, really care about a veteran who has gone through a lot of stuff. You see, God is always working. He knows where you are. Look at your neighbor who says, he knows where you are. Philip was so excited. He goes, tells Nathaniel, who are you telling? Who's your one? I'm going to keep getting in you throughout the rest of the year, reminding you who's your one. This fish needs to come out. Sister Meg's not here this morning, the kids, but she just got saved. She's been here for a while, and she's one. It was so great to have her come out. But, but that's not over. Now it's discipleship time. It's growth time. Amen? But we need to realize Philip went for Nathaniel. He told somebody else because he wanted to share because he cared. This is what's so important for us people. If we can really care for people from the heart, then we will do it because we want to, not because somebody tells us to do it. The audience of one. The audience of one. That's why we live and have our being. We don't want to have to have a moment where you almost die to say, oh, wow. I know that feels like almost dying. Lord knows that happened a lot of times. But that being the case, God is working. He knows where you are. He says this. We found the one Moses in the law wrote about and the prophets. He, he probably was talking about Deuteronomy 18.15 where... Moses is talking. He says, the Lord your God will rise up for you a prophet like me among 
your own brothers. You must listen to him. Deuteronomy 18, 18 in the same chapter says, I will rise up from you a prophet like you from among your brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell you everything I command him. Isaiah 9, you see this during Christmas time, chapter 6, for a child is born unto us. This is 700 years before Jesus comes. Someone say, God has a plan, and God knows where I am. If you get that in your heart, you're going to live differently. And when tough times come, and they will, and when the winds blow, and they will, you need to know whom, whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able. Amen? Come on, give some praise to the house of the Lord, because he's so worthy. He's so worthy. Isaiah 9 says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called. Oh, love this. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And of his increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Someone say eternity. Mm. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, established and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is, and there is over 300 scriptures talking about Christ, the propheticness of what's going to happen with Christ. Here is 700 years in the book of Isaiah before Jesus even steps on this land, this earth, this dirt ball. Look at verse 46. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, blind Nathaniel? Come and see, said Philip. I tend to think, I take this personally sometimes because I've had many people say, God actually do anything with Brian? How many of you know somebody in your life you say, man, God, God can't do anything with that stuff? I was the guy that they said that, I, that many teachers just wanted me to get out of their classroom, get rid of the dude, <laughs> put him on to someone else. That was a story. That was a story because they didn't think, they didn't think that I was, I had value. Because if you, someone tells you long enough that you don't have value, guess what you believe? You don't have value. So when's the last time you let people know that they have value? I don't care who they are. God's DNA is there. They have value. So when he tells, when Philip tells Nathaniel that he's from Nazareth, it changes everything. Everything was really good. Prophets, Moses, yeah. And all of a sudden he gets to Nazareth. Can anything come out of Nazareth? This is a, a big, giant question. Here, here's the thing. He's a cynic. Have you ever met a cynic? They are so negative that all they'll tell you is why you can't do something. We're going to try to do this. I don't think it's going to happen. Nothing, nothing, it never worked before. And he didn't believe anything good because it was such a small village, farming community, not very wealthy, so far from the trading route. It was just a place that probably had maybe 200 people in it. It was a very small population. They didn't have a good reputation. And when you come from a place that doesn't have a good reputation, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. People all of a sudden, just because you're aff affiliated with a place, and that place is full of violence and hurt and harm and just hard, you, you, oh, can anything good come out of Salem? Hello. <laughs> I rebuke that. Yes! 
Because with God, all things are possible. Come on. Someone say amen. amen. <laughs> that just, uh, don't do that to me. You see, he couldn't understand it because of where this individual was coming from. Did, did um, Philip argue with him? Did he try to prove his point? You know what he said? Come and see. See for yourself. When people tell me that God this and God that, I say, well, I, I sometimes will pray for them. I say, God, let's, God let, let's, let's see what you want to do here. Let the power of prayer do something. Or I, I just give them into God's hands, and I say, God, do something. Show them. Open their eyes. Let their scale from their eyes fall. I, I want them to be demonstrated to a real power of a real God who's working because he is changing individuals' lives when individual lives would just commit themselves unto him. Oh, the best is yet to come. Look at verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael approaching. This is where it just gets awesome. And said of him, look, here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceitfulness. This individual was a person who was righteous and desired to uh, know God, and he did it. He was walking upon the Lord, and he was a, a person who had a good, strong character. And I want you to get this Jesus, filled with the omniscience of God, knows exactly who Nathaniel is. I like the scriptures in 1 Samuel chapter 16. How many of you remember the story when Samuel was anointing David, and all his brothers came, and Eliab looked like he had all the stuff? And, and Samuel looks and says, there's the man. There's the next king. What does God say? No, no, Samuel. Man, God does not do that. He doesn't look at things. Man looks on the outward appearance, but what does God look at? The inward of the heart. Because the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Our heart makes all the difference of what happens in our life. It's important for all of us to recognize our heart. God sees the heart. Look what happens here in verse 48. This is where it gets personal. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked, before Philip called you? Jesus said, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. The word of knowledge taking place. God, full of the knowledge of God, says to him, I saw you even before you had an encounter with Philip. You were under a fig tree. Can I tell you, God knows where you are. God knows where you are. I know you don't think that because of what you're going through. I know you don't think that because of maybe the situation you're in or how you're feeling or maybe you're feeling lonely or maybe you're feeling out of place. Maybe someone just did something and really rejected you. Maybe, maybe you're going through some type of health thing and you don't really understand it. Last year, when I was going through a major situation, two major situations, and the doctor says cancer, I didn't have a problem with that. I knew who I believed in. I knew who God was. And it was amazing, as I said, God, I don't know what you're doing here because it was really difficult, but I did not stop doing what I was needed to do. I, did, I would have appreciated if God didn't choose my vacation time to do all this stuff, though. I did, did not really appreciate that. But nevertheless, God said to me, you're good. That's all he said to me in prayer. He said, you're good. And I didn't understand what God meant. I said, God, I don't understand it. What do you mean I'm good? Because the situation went on and on and on. But all of a sudden, when the, when the procedure took place and the doctor kind of checked everything out, he said, Brian, I'm going to go in there, but I think, 
I don't think I want to find anything. I don't see nothing on this or this. Or that. I'm a little confused. And so he come out, and when he come out, he said to me, Brian, you're good. Come on now. Don't you know God knows who you are? I'm not just sharing you the truth of God's word. I've also experienced it and show of you. God knows where you are. He sees you. He saw Nathaniel under the fig tree. You know what they did on the fig trees? Usually rabbis and people who would study, they wanted shade. And so they would go under a tree and they would study. Cooler air. It was beautiful. I think that's a great place to put my office. Under a tr- next to the ocean. Near a tree. <laughs> with a boat. Maybe a boat with an office. <laughs> but, but that being said, that being said, listen. He saw him when he was under the fig tree. He is now messing with Nathaniel in a very powerful way. I want you to understand this. Proverbs 13.3. The eyes of the Lord are on is everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The eyes of the Lord are on everything. But we have people that think God doesn't see things. God sees everything. God knows everything. I'm going to show you that in a second. It's powerful. God knows who you are. God sees him under a fig tree. And now he's speaking to Nathaniel right to his heart because he's like, oh, my word, nobody knows that. Matter of fact, Philip doesn't know that. God knows it all. And I want you to don't fret on your situation. We all have situations. We all have problems. We, we live in a fallen world. World. Someone say amen. amen. And because we live in a fallen world, because there's uh, all kinds of situations out there, we need to trust and not rust. We got to keep it high. Raise the praise and keep it high. Let me share this with you here. This is powerful. We're going to go to Psalms 139. I'm going to break up a portion of it. I want you to get this. In Psalms 139, the omniscience of God, that is God knows everything. He's omniscient, all-knowing God. Don't try to figure it out. Your finite cannot understand the infinite. Verse 1 through 6. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are, watch this, familiar with all my ways. Oh, you coffee drinkers? He knows. You tea drinkers? He knows. You guys out there who love sweets? He knows. God knows all about your familiar ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. God's omniscience, he knows where you are, even when you don't think so. But let me just lay a couple more bricks on you. In Psalms 139, 7 to 10, it's the omnipresence of God, meaning that God is with you if you are with him. Very important. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depth, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God's power, God's presence, omnipresence is there with you, whatever you're going through. Let me lay one more brick on 1 Psalm 39, showing you the omnipotence of God, God's power. 
and how he made you, and he was there even when you were born. People say to me sometimes, Pastor, I was a mistake. And I say, you're not a mistake. God knew exactly when you were born. Your parents may not have known, but God knows. You're special, you're unique, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You've got to believe that to receive it, but if you want to blind your eyes to the truth of God, God is with you. Don't let someone's words dictate who you are. It's so frustrating. God knows exactly the day, the moment you were conceived. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He is a God who's for his people, and he's showing that to Nathaniel. Look what it says in verse 13 and 16. For you were created in my most inward, in, in most beings. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depth of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your books before one of them came to be. Can you say God is sovereign? Oh, my word. I'm telling you, God has a plan. But you've got to believe it. I, I see so many people who don't believe it. I can't believe it for you. But I can sure pray for you to believe it. But God has a plan, and you got to realize that he will do everything to get you, to get the one, so you can go for the one. He got Philip. What did Philip do? He went to go get the one that was close to him, Nathaniel. Don't just take you what you know of God and just keep it to your chest. you got to do something. Faith without works is what? So let's do the works, but let, let faith ride. It's important. Look what happens, verse 49. We're going to land the plane. 49, 51. Rabbi, cried Nathaniel, you are the son of God. You want to talk about the man convinced now? Yeah, he's convinced. You are Israel's king because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, replied Jesus. Do you believe? You shall see greater things than that. And I tell you, all in the, in the most Solomon truth, he added, that you shall see heaven open wide and God's angels coming, going up and coming down to the, for the, to the Son of Man. My, my word, he is really looking at the importance of what God is and what God is doing. And he's saying, you are the Messiah. You are the seed of David. You are exactly the fulfillment of what God said he was going to do. He was all in. Well, how did he happen to be all in? Because God said something to him that only proved that God would know. If God was to speak to you, he could prove to you in a second. But there's one thing God wants from you. He wants you to have faith. He wants you to trust him. Even when it's hard, he wants you to say, son, daughter, put your hands to the plow, and I want you to keep learning. I want you to keep growing, because that's when I can really start doing something in you and through you. Amen? Amen. Amen. God sees who we are, where we are, who we are. But when God does a work in you, you need to make sure that you go share it. Don't keep the treasure to yourself. Don't keep the treasure to yourself. Don't keep the goods for you. I want to go to heaven. Well, that's great. I want to go to heaven too. But I do not want to go to heaven for the sake of me going to heaven when other people can't. God has placed in us to say we are light. We are salt. We need to be salty and we need to be light no matter where we are. Because if we live for ourselves, we live a very small world. But if we live for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, 
and he allow and you allow him to cause you to be his ambassador, oh man, that will make your liver quiver. That will make the boat float. That will do something in your life, boy, that you're going to have a joy of the Lord because it becomes your strength. Can you give God some praise in the house of the Lord? He's worthy of praise and glory and honor. Can you stand to your feet? Let me just give a challenge to you before we shift gears here. And the first challenge I want to just give to you is if you're here today and Jesus is not your Savior, if you were to die right now and you're not sure heaven be your home, I want to make sure that be the case because Jesus has done so much for you. Those online, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, listen, he sees who you are and he's waiting for you to respond. He's waiting for all of us to respond to recognize that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. If you messed up at least one time, raise your hand. <laughs> or how about two times? <laughs> Never mind, we get the picture. But see, Jesus comes in and he picks us up right where we are and he takes us to where we need to be. And if you're online, if you're here today, the first thing you need to recognize is that you're a sinner. We've all fallen short. The second thing you need to realize is that he came, Jesus came from heaven to earth so that he could provide a way to bring us back in relationship. He wants to buy you back from the sin that separated you. And he died on that cross for you because he loved you this much. And because he loved you this much, he desires to do a great work for you and in you. You just need to say, here I am. Forgive me. Come into my heart and life. Change my heart because I believe, I believe you died for my heart, died for me. He sees you right where you are. He wants to pick you up and get you going. Let's go before Father. Father, I pray right now that each heart here and every heart watching online would truly come to that moment to say, God, I want to prepare my heart for eternity. I accept you as Savior and Lord. I believe you died for my sins, and I want to live for you for the rest of my day. I'm going to be in your word. I'm going to connect to your church. I'm going to become a disciple for you. I ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Give God praise one more time in the house. Be worthy. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.